Well, let's bow our heads for a word of poor, uh, prayer as we begin this sermon. And we just thank you and praise you, God, for this time that we have to come together to, as we sing, uh, praise you uh, for everything that you did for us, that we have these, this hour here to prepare our hearts for uh, taking uh, communion. I just pray that you'd be with us as we look at this parable of the talents, give us wisdom, give us guidance in these matters, help us to uh, hear your truth and help us to apply it to our lives. And we just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Matthew 25 today, again, continuing on. Last month we looked at the parable, parable of the ten virgins. Did I do it last month? I did? Okay. I felt longer than that. We looked at the parable of the ten virgins, um, and if you remember, the kingdom of heaven will be compared to the ten virgins who took their lamps, um, and they, all ten of them are waiting for the bridegroom to appear. Some of them have oil, five of them, the other ones don't. And the whole point is some of them were prepared for the bridegroom while others weren't. And though you would look at them all and think they were all alike, there was that essential oil that was missing, their salvation, their belief, their faith. And so when the bridegroom comes, um, they are unprepared and they go to get more oil. And sadly, the door was shut. And then it says in verse 11, afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. These are the ones without oil. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Which picks us up right on to our next parable. And just as a refresher, that last verse 13 is, was, has been the theme for a little while now. Remember in verse 36 of chapter 24, it says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Then again in verse 42, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. And so that's kind of the driving theme um, particularly with the story of the ten virgins. Now, the parable of the ten virgins focuses mainly on waiting, the waiting for the bridegroom to appear. That is us waiting for our Lord and Savior to return again. While that parable discusses waiting, this parable discusses working while we're waiting. And so let's read the first few verses here. Picking up in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. We'll stop right there for now. The first point I want to bring out is the worker's ability. We read here, and take notice of this in verse 15, right? To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. So he, saw, he knew his servants. Um, the servants here is slaves. 
He knows his servants, and he gives to each of his servants according to their own abilities they have. This is literally their own um, particular, peculiar capacity for business. And so he knows his servants, and he knows what they can handle, and he gives them according to what they can handle. Now, we do need to mention, first of all, in verse 14, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey. This it refers back to verse 1, where it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins. And so we're still in the realm of talking about the kingdom of heaven here. And the talents here, I like what Jay Ryle says about this. He says, Anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reasoning, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all, all our talents. And so back in the day, a talent was a form of money. Uh, It was a particular weight, actually, and so the talent could be either in gold, silver, or bronze, um, depending on which element it was. It would be worth more and less. When you're thinking about how much he's giving to these people, this would be in modern times hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, even for the one talent. But this talent represents all of those things. Um, Anything whereby we may glorify God as a talent Uh, This is something that the master gives to his servants, just like God gives to us. And everything we have, everything in this world, is given to us by God. And we are to use those things to glorify him. So, we all have our own particular abilities that God has given us, and he's given us responsibility according to that ability. Um, All of us are in different places, even thinking about our spiritual gifts. We read those in 1 Corinthians and Romans. Um, All of us have been given specific spiritual gifts, and we are to use those for God. You could think he has given us those specific talents, right? It's interesting, because all of us are in different positions of life, And God knows this. All of us have different gifts, different talents, different amount of wealth, knowledge, health, strength. I mean, God knows all of this, and he gives to you the ability to glorify him in your situation. God knows and gives responsibility according to you. And you look at this, each servant worked differently. It says the first one went out and traded, and this one, that he went out at once. It's kind of connecting that it's in the Greek, it implies he got the money and he goes directly. He's eager to go do this. He immediately goes and he starts selling his possession. He wants, or not selling, uh, he starts trading these things to further his master's money. And so he traded with them, and the next one, it doesn't really say what he does. He made five talents more, and that's all it tells us. And then the last one goes and buries it. And in the church, we all do different things. 
Um, some of us, you know, traded. Some of us might be servants. Some of us might be pastors. Some of us might be missionaries. Some of us might be evangelists. Some of us might um, work here and work in the workforce and be a witness to people there. There are many different things that we can do that God has given us uh, to go and glorify him, to further his kingdom. And that's what it's trying to get here. Every servant uses their talents in different ways. Their talents, as in the, as his money here, the gifts that God has given us in accordance to ability. And it's kind of a, when I was thinking about that, it's just a weird thought. I, and nowadays, we're so competitive with everything that we always think of things as greater than or less than. And in the church, we really can't do that because it's going to lead to a lot of different problems. Um, there is no greater than or less than position here in the church. All of us need to work for the glory of God. Whatever the spiritual gift, um, that talent, um, use it for the Lord. Again, each servant's ability is going to be different, not better or worse. And there's a really good illustration for this. It's about a famous organist came to an intermission of his recital. It was in the days when the organs required a hand pumper. So in the joy, the organ pumper remarked, we are giving them a fine recital today. The organist looked at him up in disgust, saying with a stinging retort, Please, sir, I am giving this recital. The organ pumper was very frustrated with this, as you can imagine. The second half of the contest began when suddenly the organ was without sound. The audience wondered what had happened. The organist knew. He went backstage and humbly apologized apologized the old pumper you are right sir it is we and not i then the exquisite concert proceeded and the we could do what the i could not um, but in the church sadly that happens many times there's many organists who sometimes feel that they are greater than the pumper um, but really god knows that both are equal um, they are both needed to play the concert and we need to keep that in mind and so each person has their own particular place in life. God has given them their own specific gifts, spiritual gifts, position in life, to use that to glorify him. And from a human perspective, again, we might think, oh, that is greater than, because um, we're humans and we do that, but it's not that. All are equal and all are needed to further the kingdom of God. So that's the worker's ability but then we have the worker's faith, verse 19 through 20. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. You are here. You have what is yours. And so the worker's faith. Let's start with the faithful servants give results. You can notice in verse 21 and 22, the response that they get is exactly the same response. Um, And so regardless of how many talents they started out with, the master was pleased with the result that was in the end. So it doesn't really matter how much you start with, whether you have the five talents or the two talents, it's what you do with that that matters. And again, um, there's always this idea in Scripture of doing. Um, there is, shouldn't be a Christian who never does anything. If you turn to Matthew 7, 24, we kind of get a good picture of this. It says in verse 24, chapter 7, verse 24 of Matthew, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was, uh, and great was the fall of it. Uh, I hope you see that. It's whoever hears the words, that's one half of it, and the other half of it is it, and does them. Um, we have to do. Faith is action. Um, when you believe in Christ, the response is action to do what he wants you to do. So everyone has a different starting point. Notice with the servants, right? He, in the way beginning, gives one five, gives one two, and gives one. One. Uh, The question is, what do they do with what God has given them? And for the two faithful, the results are the same, as in they both doubled what was given to them. And so they both get the same result, uh, response from the master. God isn't looking for equal return. He's looking for equal effort. Which is why we can't compare ourselves to other believers. Um, especially, I think, pastors, everyone can do this. Um, it's easy to look at other people and say, oh, look how much they are doing for God. Well, that's not what God is having you do. Um, God has you in a particular church, in a particular place, in a particular situation in your life with a particular spiritual gift to do a specific thing for him. And he's not looking for you to do what other people are doing He's looking for you to do what you're supposed to be doing for him. And don't worry about other people. And it could be a drag if you're always comparing yourself. You could, I could look at other pastors and say, why can't I be like him? Uh, you could think, I don't know, I know it's a little uh, like a Billy Graham who went across and a million, uh, thousands at least people got saved through him. And I could look at that and say, why can't I do that? I should be doing those kind of things. And that's the wrong approach. God had him for a specific reason, 
but God has he me here at this church with my resources, with my spiritual gifts for a specific reason to glorify him. And he's not looking for equal return as far as I'm not going to be saving thousands and thousands of people, but equal effort. I'm trying my best with what God has given me to glorify him. So we all have been given our own specific, again, talents, like the slaves, the servants, and God expects us to use them because they are needed. And the question I have is, what have we been doing with those? Uh, what will we do with those? Um, and so we need to be thinking, I was thinking about this morning, thinking about all the aspects of my life, all the different things that God has given me, and how am I using them to glorify God to the fullest. It's something that we need to deeply be considering in our Christian lives today. The faithful servants, when they come to the master, um, there's kind of a straightforwardness to it. They say, Master, you delivered to me X amount of talents here, I have made them five talents more. You can kind of get a sense of pride, uh, healthy pride that they worked hard for the Lord, that they had done what they were supposed to do, which was further the master's um, wealth. That would be us furthering the kingdom. Um, they had finished the race strong. It kind of reminds you of Paul in Second Timothy when he's done, and uh, he talks about, I finished the race, I have run the course. I have done what God has called me to do, and essentially I'm ready to go and meet him. Now, that's how we need to be living our lives, that so we can say we lived it to the fullest for God. Now you look at the unfaithful servant who has no results, and his response shows a true lack of faith. He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Um, just notice, uh, he says, I knew you to be a hard man. If he just left with the, I knew you, that would be great. Just stop there. Uh, but he says, I knew you to be a hard man. From his perspective, that is what the master was. Um, he never had a great relationship with him, apparently. Um, he sees him as stern or severe, uh, that is a hard man. And so he was afraid this is to be struck with fear, a fear of harm or injury. And so he hides the talents, he does nothing with them. Uh, it accomplishes exactly nothing. And it's not just a nothing, it's a negative uh, he didn't do what the master wanted, which was to further the wealth. Um, and so for that, he was robbing his master of increase. That could have easily happened. See, when we look at this, we need to remember that faith is active. And we kind of have to go to James for this. It is a popular verse for this. James 2.14. James 2.14. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, 
And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Um, Pretty strong when you think about it. I think a lot of, sometimes we can do this. Oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Don't worry, I'm praying for you. Or I hope that works out well. Or wishing you the best. When really what we should be thinking is, what can I do to help this person? Yes, I'm not saying negate prayer. You should always be praying for people. But if you're just, if someone says, hey, I have this need, and you can fulfill that need, and all you say is, oh, yeah, I'll be praying for you, then what good is that? You're the person who can get them out of that situation. And that's what he's saying. I like what Boyce says about this. He says, if we are truly born again, there is an unbreakable connection between what we believe and what we do. And so we need to remember that. What we believe should influence. It's an unbreakable connection between what we then do in this life. And again, we need to be careful of not having works-based salvation. I'm definitely not saying that. But... I think many times, for us in particular, sometimes we come out of Catholic background, right? And we say, well, I don't want to highlight works too much. But then sometimes we downplay works too much. And we need to have a balance here. Your faith should lead to works. If your faith doesn't lead to works, it is what? Dead. And so the question again becomes, what are we doing now? What have we been doing with them? And what should we be doing with them? What is God calling us to do with our particular talents? Finally, we get to the worker's reward. Verse 26. Back in our text here. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what is mine with interest. So take uh, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Uh, This is the synopsis for this. For everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. away. And cast the worthless fellow into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now let's start with the faithless, for the faithless. He says, even what he has will be taken away. And he calls them two things, right? He is a wicked That kind of points to the fact that he is lying, his overall character. He is wicked. Uh, He says what is kind of of confusing again. He says, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to invest my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. What he's kind of being a little sarcastic here. Um, basically saying, look, if I were that man, if that's how you knew me to be, then that should have drove you to at least invest with the bankers and make a little bit of money with interest. 
Um, that way I wouldn't be angry with you at this point in time. So it doesn't make sense that you would hide your talents. That would be contradicting your thought of who I am. So he's kind of calling him out on that. So he is a wicked and he is a slothful. This is slow, tardy, or lazy, uh, lacking in action. And it's very interesting um, because we often... Uh, see in Scripture wickedness and laziness together. Um, and particularly in Proverbs, if you go there real quick, Proverbs 10, ten five. it says, He who gathers... In summer is prudent son, but he who sleeps in the harvest is a son who brings shame. Go to verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 4. The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Then you go to 15, 19. The way of the sluggard is a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. You kind of get the picture. I could keep going and I don't really need to. Uh, there is this connection between that which is wicked and lazily slothful and that which is upright uh, versus that which is upright. Again, there should be no such thing as a do-nothing Christian. Uh, your faith should influence what you do. And sometimes we even see this with testimonies or we don't see this with testimonies, it uh, kind of kills me a little bit. Now you're all going to be very careful when you give your testimony around me. Uh, but sometimes we give our testimonies and we say, oh yeah, I was this person, and I did all these terrible things, and then God saved me at this particular night, and then that's the end of the testimony. Um, and that is, not, uh, that is still just the beginning of the testimony, because your testimony then should be everything that follows after that. Um, after I got saved, this is how my... This is how I changed. This is what God is doing in my life. This is what God is continuing to do with my life. As I look to the future, this is why I think God is having plans for me to do with my life. Um, it is that faith, right? You went from this, and I have turned into this, and am continually turning into what God wants me to be. Um, that is the testimony. So your testimony every day should grow longer and longer. Um, because it's continually growing. All right, ultimately he is punished in verse 28. He says, Take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten talents, for everyone who has more will be given, and getting to him, who, but for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast this worthless servant into outer darkness in that place that we're weeping and gnashing of teeth. Very similar. He says this multiple times. Um, even in Matthew, we looked at it with the parable of the wedding feast. Remember with the guy who doesn't have the garments? Chapter 22, verse 13. You don't have to go there. It says, Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. When you look at 
Jesus is teaching, there's a very seriousness to it. Like a very, especially towards the end as he's coming to the cross, he's really laying at home. Um, some are called, some are not. Uh, look at your life. Contemplate who you are in Christ. So he's punished. Now we get to the faithful. It says, To everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. God gives us more ability, uh, which gives us, lets us further his kingdom, uh, further work for him, further glorify him, which gives us more responsibility, which gives us more ability to glorify him, which ultimately gives us more responsibility to further glorify him. I hope you kind of get the picture as you go through your Christian life, God is going to give you more responsibility, more ability to do the things you need to glorify Him. And as you do that for Him, He gives you then more responsibility and more ability to do the things to glorify Him, um, which is exciting. Uh, Every day of your Christian life is going to be different as God gives you more um, so you can do more for Him. All right, he says to the two faithful servants, first of all, he is, they are good, that is just upright, uh, virtuous, and they are faithful servants in attitude. They understand who their master is and they want to serve him. And they have been faithful over a little, so they set him over much. This is working faithfully here on earth leads to more. Um, but I think also greater in heaven, more responsibility um, and joyous service to God. Um, what that looks like, I have no idea, but it's going to be great. That's all I can tell you. And he says, enter into the joy of your master. Again, the ultimate goal. One day we're going to be with God in heaven into the joy of God. And what a wonderful day that will be. So in conclusion, we need to work for the master because he has given us abilities. Again, everything you have from God is everything you have is given from God, and so we need to use those to glorify him. Our works are not the cause of faith, um, but they do are the result of faith. From our faith leads to works. To not use our abilities God has given us is to lack in faith. And ultimately, we are rewarded for the work as more is given to us. And so, with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to come together to look at this text, look at this parable. All of us are in a very peculiar point in our life. Some of us are older, some of us are younger, some of us have monetary Uh, Some of us have money, some of us maybe don't. Um, All of us have special spiritual gifts, uh, maybe health, uh, maybe our minds are focused on things. Whatever it is, uh, we all know that you have given us those particular talents. I pray that we would use those talents 
and to glorify your holy and precious name. Just give us wisdom and the knowledge we need to reflect on our lives and be thinking, what is it that you want us to do um, this very hour and the coming days, weeks, and months? Uh, give us uh, insight into those things. In Jesus' name, amen.